0: Hello and welcome to Career View Mirror. I'm your host, Joyelle Crawford, and today's very special guest <laughs> is Susan Combs. She's <laughs> actually returning to the Career View Mirror uh, stage or arena. Um, she was one of my first guests on Career View Mirror back in 2016. Yes, this was before I had everything on all of the podcasting platforms. I was just throwing these things on YouTube. So I am so excited to have Susan back with us. Uh, She's the youngest national president of women in insurance and financial services in over 80-year history, of the organization she's one of the coveted 40 under 40 by advisor today for 2015 and one of the women of influence by new york business journal for 2016 she's also a mizzou tiger a half marathoner a public speaker expert witness and active sports enthusiast (laughs) she's also a superhero of sorts as she battles against the labyrinth of pitfalls and particularities of insurance that dot the US business landscape. In fact, she is also known on Twitter as the insurance vixen. (laughs) She consults with companies all over the world to help them understand the importance of networking, mentorship, and gender balance. And she's guaranteed to make you laugh. And here's a piece that was not online what needs to be is that she is also the best sell- I'm so excited for you. She's the best-selling <laughs> author of Pancakes for Roger, a mentorship guide for slaying dragons, which is a series of quick, straightforward snapshots delivered with no fluff and a whole lot of hor- a heart. And she's offering lessons from her father, Roger, and others so that you can learn on them too as you slay your own dragons. Oh, excuse me, lean on them. Correction, lean on them as you slay your own dragons. Welcome, 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 Susan. Thank
1: you so much, Trayla. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> so a lot has happened since the last, 2016 yeah. was the last time we talked. It's crazy. It's crazy.
1: I know. In 2016, you and I both had fathers. You know? I know. I mean, a lot of life has happened in, in those few short years, for sure.
0: A lot of life and a lot of loss, um, but a lot of learning, too, mm. has come across. What do you, What would you say has been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned um through the last time through the years I know this we only have a couple minutes but like mm-hmm. what do you think was one of the biggest lessons that you've learned um uh, through these past years you
1: know i mean the book came out a few months ago and i think that uh, I, I, I learned a lot through that process. I mean, I know you have your, your book as well, and you could probably echo that as well. But, um, you know, I think for me, probably the, the biggest lesson is I'm, I'm quicker to say no to things. Um, and I, I think I have a lot more balance. I think that when you go through a tremendous loss, as you and I both have had um, in, the, in the recent history, you, it just gives you a, a different perspective on life. And it allows you to really spend time with people that you want to spend time with, do the things that you really want to do, and then just kind of cut some of the dead weight. So I think that's been probably the, the biggest learning lesson that I've had in the past past couple of years, for sure. Mm, that says a lot about
0: boundaries. Sounds mm-hmm. like we are, um, and I would say the, the biggest lesson I've learned too with loss um, recently has been uh, that you can always earn a lot of money and, which is great, but you can never, um, you can't, you can't earn back time. Like once it's, it's gone, it's gone. So, um, you can never get that back. And it's been so important to, um, say no, you know, and no learning that no is a complete sentence Mm -hmm. and, um, and really listening to my body has been a big lesson I've Mm -hmm. learned too. Um, both of you and I have experienced COVID. I most recently am getting over another bout of COVID.
1: Um, yeah, I did too. I just had it the second time about a month ago, yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> me too.
0: As COVID has been hanging on like a bad house guest in my body. It's just really challenging to get enough energy to kind of get through the day. Have you, um, have you learned any like tips or tips techniques in kind of just showing up um, with these types of physical and emotional setbacks.
1: I mean, I was always a show I mean, that was probably to my detriment, I would say. Um, you know, I think that a lot of times we had definitely roles within our families. And, um, you know, my my father passed in 2018 and I really stepped into a lot of his, his roles um, because we just had a similar thought process. So I think when it came to that, I mean, it's, uh, I've really had to take care of myself mm-hmm. and I've almost had to kind of, educate my, my family a little bit with remembering to ask me how I'm doing. I think a lot of times when you tend to be the fixer of the family, or you're the one that just has it all together, people just think you have kind of a cake, you know, cake life. And Mm -hmm. they don't realize that, Hey, there's a reason that I have a cake life because I work tremendously hard on, on what I have that I work on my well being being as well is very important to me. Mm -hmm. So I think kind of retraining my family a little bit, because now I've noticed just recently that my brother will text me and be like, Hey, how are you doing? I know you've been on the road a lot. Are you, are you good? Do you need anything? Is there, are you good? You know? Exactly. So it's, it's been, and I'm the youngest sister. Uh, so they, <laughs> they tend to forget me.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, the baby so. always gets
1: forgotten, right? <laughs> Nobody puts
0: baby in the corner though, you know?
1: Yeah. So, but that's been, I think that the, one of the things that I've, I've retrained myself and I've retrained my family. And then I've also like, I, I, uh, you know, I speak up for myself and I, I mean, I've always been pretty plain spoken. You've known me for a very, very long time. I mean, God going on 20 years. Um, but it's, uh, it was very important, especially when I was caring for my father, when he was, when he was dying, um, I had to fill up my own cup first. And so I would start my day by working out because I I found that if I had to give everything away for the rest of the day, at least I started with a little bit of surplus for me. So that was something that I really, um, you know, I've always been very committed. I'm very structured. I'm very regimented. I'm very routine. Um, and so that actually ended up helping me when I was caring for my dad, but then it also just kind of continued and just reminded me that sometimes, like you said, you have to listen to your body. You have to say no to things and sometimes just, yeah, you have to stay in bed and that's okay too. So
0: Well, you haven't been staying in bed very often. (laughs) (laughs) you've been flying all over the country um speaking um are you speaking about your book are you speaking on insurance or both like what are you speaking about what what messages are you sharing with the
1: world i mean a little bit of both but for the most part it's been i've been getting a uh, i'm I'm well known in my industry i mean i was the first female broker of the year and that's happened since our last conversation so i was the first female broker of the year by benefits pro and. so I do have a lot of um, connections on that industry. So I've been getting brought in a lot on keynote speaking to talk about the book and mentorship and share some of the life lessons. And it's been a lot of fun. It really, really has. Um, you know, I was just in, um, in in New Jersey a couple of days ago doing a keynote for the Morris County Chamber of Commerce, and there was about 200 women for their women's event. And it was absolutely just fantastic. Um, and I'm not like being braggadocious about how I did. It was just such a well-executed event. And you know, I mean, you know, as well as I know, when you're speaking, if there seems to be chaos going on, like it makes the speakers feel unsettled. So yes. to have somebody just have like everything laid out and everything being super organized, and you don't have to stress out about like, do they have my slides up? Do they not have my slides up? Is the speaker gonna work? Is the microphone gonna work? It's just It's more, it's more pleasurable as a speaker to be able to do that stuff for sure.
0: You know, uh, and I I love how you said that when it's chaos, you can feel it. You do, you pick up the energy and it's not like, as a keynote speaker or presenter that you need to be a diva. Like you need to have like complete silence and green M and M's and all of that stuff. I mean, maybe you do ask for that, (laughs) (laughs) but it is so true how much energy you can pick up. And if it's not positive energy, it just throws the whole performance off completely. But yes, that's fantastic that you were able to have like just a nice calm experience um, to really just focus on the message. And would you be able to share like a a snippet or some tips, you know, just give us a little taste test of some lessons for us that not be able to
1: get to one of your keynotes? Yeah. So, I mean, the book is divided into four sections, self-love, family, and career. And so what I typically do when I do keynotes is I share some of those lessons, because one of the things I've realized, and, you know, I've traveled, well, I've traveled all over the world, just meeting people and and spoke to a lot of different people. And I've, I've mentored many people. And I understand that, you know, I had a great family and I had a great father, but not everybody does. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I talk to people about like, you have your, the family you're born with, but then you also have your chosen family too. And sometimes your chosen family can see you a a lot more complete than your your blood family because you're a fully formed adult instead of a, a kid with pigtails sitting in the corner coloring yes. Know? So some of the lessons, you know, I talk about is uh, you know, our like drive the car is a big lesson in the book. So when I grew up, you know, in a rural community in in Missouri with about a thousand people. And so we were always driving on the farm at a very young age. But when it came to highway driving, you know, we had to wait till we got our permit. And my father was uh, he had been in the military 39 years and and four months, and he had been a helicopter pilot. And so he was very adamant about his kids being good drivers, good navigators, paying attention. And so he would just always have a cadence of drive the car, drive Mm the car, drive the car. And he would always say you can be the best driver in the world, but you have to worry about other people around you and so in the community i grew up in i had to worry about amish horse and buggy when i popped over the corner i had to worry about um, livestock tractors things like that and so you, you just have to anticipate so you would literally grab the wheel and jerk it and make us go off the road and he'd say drive the car drive the car and so we had to remember to just not get crazy to not get derailed just stop focus on what needs to be done and and handle the situation. So that ended up almost becoming a metaphor for my life. So anytime mm. I have to tackle a huge task, sometimes there's 20 steps in it in the <laughs> process. And you can sit there and you can be a little bit paralyzed because you're just stressed out about that. But everything starts with step one. So take step one, accomplish that, then go on to step two. Um, and I really brought that into play even when I was caring for my father. You know, my father was on a tremendous amount of medications when he was on hospice. And um, we had let a lot of the medicines just be out, and one day he took his nighttime medicine in the morning because he was confused because his oxygen levels were low. So that ended up being uh, the drive the car moment. Was we put all the medicines away? We left out only the dosage that he could have, and then we didn't have to worry about um, you know the repercussions later. So you know things like that—they're just really quick antidotes. I mean, it's, it's written in vignette style, so you can literally maybe a chapter might be a paragraph or two. I think the longest chapter maybe is ten pages. So. I always tell people if your reading starts finishes about three and a half hours, but it's super easy to just pick up and put down. And, you know, like my uncle Joe said to my mom, when my brother Matt was born, you know, take what you want throw out the rest. I mean, not every single, you know, lesson's going to resonate with people, but, um, but it's kind of good to kind of file away and then pull it out when you need to.
0: I think that's fantastic. And I love that metaphor of driving the car and that could be it totally can be applied to everything, life and career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people are experiencing setbacks and, and uh, having to recalculate their route uh, in this, mm-hmm. in this work world that we are living in, you know. Um, but I love that mantra of driving car, that lesson, that, that theme that, that goes throughout the book. Oh, thank you for sharing that little nugget You're because welcome. I know that, you know, we're not in that industry. I mean, maybe some of my listeners are in the insurance industry and you're going to be blessed with being in front of um, it, it being able to see Susan in front of you. Um, but no, I'm so excited that you were able to share that vignette. And the book is on sale at all fine bookstores. I'm going to put the link in the comments so that you can make sure you can access that, as well as information on how you can get to learn more about. Susan's, um, Susan's farm that she's created. (laughs) Oh my God. How old, how old is Combs and Company? Oh, Uh,
1: 2005. So 17 years. Yeah. 17 17 years. years. I I was 26 when I started it. So you can do the math. I'm 43. (laughs)
0: Wow. (laughs) How does it feel to have a business for 17 years? Some days good,
1: some days not. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's been tremendous. And I'll tell you, it's one of the, the best things I ever did. Um, and I mean, this, and even during COVID, we just, we just kept having great years. And this year we're, we've already hit our revenue level for the year. In the end of third quarter. So it's just, we're going to have a stellar year this year. And it's just been great. And because at the end of the day, we're doing the right thing by people. Yeah. Um, and we're making sure that they can sleep well at night. So we, we help them manage the risk and and help them feel more comfortable and, and understanding what insurance really is. So our tagline is, if you don't know insurance, know your broker. So a lot of times people kind of throw that back at us, but in a good way, like I didn't understand insurance at all, but I know you and you took care of us. So it's been a good thing. <laughs>
0: Oh, and that's a really good thing to have. I think, you know, with um, to me, I find like insurance to be a bit of a mystery Um, and it can be really intimidating, you know, um, and to, to have a a person who has a soft touch or sometimes maybe you need, you need a hard touch, but like, but just hasn't the personal touch of getting Mm -hmm. to know the person Um, you encounter a lot of people who are just in it for the sale. Um, and um I really I love the approach that um you and, and your coworkers and uh, have
1: had. um yeah, we're definitely not slimy salespeople. That's it cringe. We cringe when somebody's even like a vendor when they're trying to sell us like we, I, oh man, we delete that email so quick. So <laughs> our approach is definitely consultative. We treat every single one of our clients like it was our own business and what we would do. Mm-hmm. And then we take budget and real world experience and contracts and say, okay, you know, if we had endless money, this is what we would do. If we want to sleep well at night, this is what we would do. And then these are the things by law you have to do. So we just try to try to break it down and let people understand what they need to really have.
0: That's really awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really all about the relationship that
1: Absolutely. you're building
0: with your clients. So that's, that's really right on. So I've got a favorite question in the time that we, since we last talked I mean, we've talked in between that yes. <laughs> the audience has not been privy to that but the time that we last talked on career view mirror, I've come up with a favorite question I like to ask all my guests. And that is, if you could share one or two career or life tips, uh, with the younger
1: you, mm-hmm. what would they be? Whew. Um, <laughs> I think for me, um, you know, when I mentor a lot and I I talk to people that are in a sales capacity or maybe they're insurance for the first time. One of the things that I always tell people is when you're in a sales meeting, realize that the person sitting across the table from you needs you more than you need them. Mm. And a lot of times people think that that can be just like kind of a little arrogant, but it's not, it's just, it's, you need to have a confidence about you if you're going to sell. And at the end of the day, the reason that the person sitting across from you is because you are the expert and you are more knowledgeable on the subject matter than they are, and that's why they're there. So I always tell you know people that I mentor if they can shift that confidence in their head and realize that early on, then man, their sales will go up and they'll just have so much more confidence in their presentation style too. It's so true.
0: I I say this all the time. I say it in my book. I say it all the time when I'm speaking, but if you, um, it's my million dollar executive coaching advice. I said, always enter into conversations or negotiations or whatever interaction you have with other people by setting the intention of collaboration and support. And if you have that mindset, like that person needs me, how can I help them? Mm-hmm. It's a whole different energy shift, like Absolutely. it transforms the whole type of energy dynamic that goes on in that room because, you know, they're digging in and they're like, oh, I'm ready for a fight. And no, it's not about a fight. Like, how can we both win at this? Um, how can you win and how can I win? You know, it's the would and the could of we doing things, us doing things together instead of me. You know, it's not all about me. It's about we. So no, I'd love that whole identity, whole confidence booster and making sure that you look at that other person across the table and know that they need you more than you need them. Fabulous advice.
1: Anything else? Oh, I mean, the book's full of advice. (laughs) You're like, read the book. Just read the book. (laughs) I mean, it's something that you, you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, having the time. Um, so when my, my father was diagnosed with agent orange related throat cancer, um, 10 years before he passed away, I had a friend named, um, you know, Joey that had given me the advice that you'll never regret the time you spent. Mm. And he said, you know, Susan, he said, I give anything to have one more day with my dad. And I, and I feel the same way today. And so he gave me that advice when, I mean, my, my company was just a, a few, like, a, I think it was less than two years old. Mm. And I was so stressed out about showing up for my family, um, and helping take care of my dad when he was first diagnosed, because he had a pretty major surgery. Mm-hmm. And when he told me that he said, Susan, he said, everybody says they want to have more time. They never say I want to have less time with that person. Right. So I really took that advice to heart. And I'm so glad I did because I really, you know, I really feel like it made a lot of difference because I know for the, for the last 10 years of my father's life, I showed up on a consistent basis and I know it was a good daughter. And I'll tell you that mm-hmm. having, um, to say that I have no regrets with my, my relationship with my father is such a great place to be. Um, because I, I have a lot of friends that have strained relationship with their family. And if something would happen to one with one of them, they would just have so much regret. Yes. And I'm just glad that I, that I can honestly you know sit here today and say that oh, it is such a blessing.
0: It really is. And, you know, again, I, I, I send you notes all the time because I'm thinking about you. Um, but I am very sorry for your loss and there is, we could probably do a whole nother episode about working through grief while grieving. In fact, I think that's going to be the next book that I write about is working while grieving. Um, because it's just a, it's something that I don't think there's anything out there. There's
1: no resources for it. We just, well, You don't learn it in school. You learn it when you go through it. I mean, yeah. and I actually said that in my my talk, um, you know, in Jersey, I said, you know, I said, there's not a class that prepares you for loss right. or how to handle it. And Everybody's different. And I think that's what makes it so tremendously hard. You know, I, I'm i wired a lot like my dad was that if you're having a bad day, you move a muscle change of thought, you get off your ass and you go out and do something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my mother and, and my brothers are more they more internalize things. Right. And so they can really get in a funk and get stuck. And I'm just not wired that way. And so, which can kind of lead to some conflicts because I just, I just don't know how to process things, how they process them. So then it's, it's educating yourself that, okay, then who can help them? So my brother, Matt knows that, my mom's having a bad day or she's really kind of gotten depressed. Um, you know, we just came up, my parents would have had their 50th wedding anniversary on September 30th. And, you know, my mom was really struggling around that date. And I just, I, I'm just not the right person, but my brother Matt is, Mm -hmm. and because he understands it he can help. And so I think that with one thing with grief, I mean, you find the support where you need the support you find the people I mean we've talked about the dead dads club I mean it's yes. a club that you never want to join that nobody tells you about until right. you're a member of it and then and then you get it you truly get it so I think it's you know people talk about being sympathetic and empathetic and I, I just think that significant loss is something that you really can't empathize with unless you've actually been through it
0: absolutely a hundred percent um and, and, you know, sending the sympathies is, is, is enough or maybe not answering, you know, sometimes the email won't get answered or the text won't get, you know, but it's okay. I think there's yeah. acceptance in the loss, but then there's also self-acceptance that, that occurs as you're
1: going and grieving through the loss. Um, and Well, I think you get it more. I mean, because, I mean, you were one of the, the first people that reached out to me privately. And I mean, I think within 24 hours Yeah. and you were an example to me of how I should be when other people go through a loss. So I thank you for that. And I'm um, sorry, I'm a little choked up, but, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think that when somebody puts something on Facebook, you can see a lot of people doing the platitudes and all the comments and things like that. That really doesn't help people. No. It, it's just really the one on one. And it's checking on people two months, three months, six yes. months after because people just go on with their lives and they forget that part of your life is gone.
0: Yeah. The season doesn't just doesn't run that one month, the four yeah. weeks after the loss. Mm-hmm. It's the after the four weeks or the anniversaries. And, and, and I know this is weird and obsessive of me, but I actually document when friends of mine lose their parents, Mm -hmm. not out of morbidity, but just to support, because I want to just check in on them and adversaries are hard. And, you know, it's just, it's just the thing that I like to do because I want to attend and service other people and kind of like what I would want from
1: somebody as you're, you know, grieving a loss of someone. Well, and I think too, it's just like, you know, I talk about this and sometimes, you know, where it's just, I feel like sometimes you feel like you have you have information and you don't know if you should share it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, you know, I had a woman that that came to my talk and she came up to me afterwards in Jersey, and she had she's coming up on a year of losing her husband. And you know, so she was actually texting me all weekend and I was able to kind of give her some support and just some social yes. connection. Yes. And but I struggled with saying. Second year's harder because, because everybody's different, but yes. it just seems to be a consistent thing. The first year you're so numb yeah, you just, and you just don't, emotions. you're just, you can't even quite figure. And for me, I threw myself into so much of the work because, you know, my father was buried at Arlington. And so I was dealing with the Department of Defense, the VA, Arlington, you know, my dad was also a civilian judge. So I was dealing with the judge pension and state of Missouri and all this stuff. And we have two farms and they were, God, seven properties, eight bank accounts. There was a huge long list of mine that I had to, to deal with. And, but the second year, I think it's like, oh crap, this is the new normal. Yeah. And so the second, I think was harder for me. And then when you get to the third one, I think that's when you can start finding the joy Yeah. and start finding, um, the little things, you know, I have two nieces, one that's five and one that's two, and they're incredible. And when it comes to holidays, they're the entire focus now. And that's great because yes. I'll tell you man you can it's hard to stay in a funk when you got little kids around. Oh and yeah. So I've always, you know, thought about that and you know um this year was the 4th anniversary of my father passing mm-hmm. and I even I think I had a harder time than the others and I was trying to think like you said you document things and I'm like why why was it so much harder this time? And I think it was because The, you know, the first one, whatever, you're in a, (laughs) you're you're just, whatever, you're shattered, right? We all are. But the second and the third fell on a weekend for me. And so I was able to isolate. And so I was able to like be around people if I wanted to be around people. But this year was the first year that it was like, it was a work day. And um, so I went into work because I'm a show upper. Mm -hmm. And so I went into work and everything like that. And then it just seemed like one by one, all my meetings just kind of got canceled And so like at one o'clock, I was like, I got to get out of here. And my kind of modus operandi is like, if I'm having a bad day, I do, I buy something for somebody else Mm. and I buy a present for somebody else. And I was like, you know what, why the hell don't I buy myself a present? And so I went out, um, as you know, I'm, I'm in recovery. Um, I've been in recovery over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so I actually went to my, my second meeting, um, in one day, which I don't think I've done since I really first got sober wow. and I went and bought myself a present. And then I went and did some service nice. and, you know, no, nothing's right or wrong. But then I had a girlfriend that reached out to me that had been 17 years for her. And she reached out to me and she said, um, her, the anniversary of her father's passing is in December. And she said, I turned my phone off on December and I do things that my dad liked to do. She said, I play my guitar. I go for a long walk. I do different things. And I said, you know, I said, I think I'm going to start doing that where I'm going to have a day that I honor him Yes, and do something nice for myself. And a lot of people have told me, and that's great if that works for you, but know that you can, you know, you can choose your own adventure at any time. So if you wake up the next year and you're like, Nope, not going to happen. I'm staying in bed. I'm ordering, you know, (laughs) like I'm ordering food and I'm going to watch trash TV all day. That's what I'm going to do. So it's just, I think that that's the thing that we have to think about is mm -hmm. give yourself permission to grieve how you need to grieve and know that like, you know, some days suck. I mean, it's just like, and you know, that I believe in signs and and I get a lot of them from my dad. And, you know, this weekend I'm in Jersey with my in-laws and Crystal Gale, don't you make my brown eyes blue come on. And that was the song my dad used to sing to me because (laughs) I swore I had blue eyes. I would literally look in the mirror at four years old and you'd be like, Susan, what color are your eyes? I'm like blue, they're blue because my mother has beautiful blue eyes. And so my dad used to sing that song for me. And so that song has come back around when I really, really needed it. Um, So it, I think it was my dad's way of saying you really crushed it at Morristown Chamber of Commerce. So I, I think that it's really cool. And you know, and not everybody's into the woo-woo stuff, but I, man, if you're open to that stuff, it's just, it's just getting such a great big hug from the person that's passed. And I think it's really, really cool if you can be open to those things too.
0: I love it. So being open to signs and celebrating and honoring their memory, you know, the way that works for you when it works for you and being okay with not being okay with it. I think that's, that's great. I like to honor my dad either on his birthday or on the anniversary of his death by ordering Jamaican food, you know, uh, like, that. cause he loves Jamaican food and it just makes me remember him even more. And, um, and maybe some of you'll go to Jamaica and maybe, yes, birthday. I'll go back yeah. to Jamaica and get my yeah. groove back again. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in 2006, I haven't been back, yeah. but I'm thinking about, you know, taking his ashes, you know, some of his ashes there and, and bring him
1: home, you know? So, well, and I just also have pancakes all the time. Like, if I, I feel it, I, you know, because, um, you know, part of the proceeds of the book actually go to the Veterans Clinic at the University of Missouri School of Law that provide free legal services for um, veterans and their families navigating the VA claims and appeals process. Mm-hmm. And so, the month of February, we do a big fundraiser for every pancake loving picture we get with a hashtag. Mm-hmm. And that's been, man, that just fills my soul so much. It fills my stomach and I can't look at another stack of pancakes for a good six, six months after February. But, uh, but it's just one of those things. I mean, that's kind of a nice way that if I just need a little pick me up, I can be like, yeah, let me go get some pancakes. So that's and I'm
0: go. so glad that I'm not gluten intolerant anymore. I was gluten sensitive for like <laughs> yeah. three years, like randomly, and yeah. now I can eat gluten again. So I will be having pancakes on that <laughs> day in, in February. So
1: I'll right. be able to show it because gluten-free pancakes are not they don't do the trick they don't yeah well we did get so because we do it for the month of february and we did get creative this year because i had some friends that you know that are celiac and they're like or i had one girlfriend that says susan i just hate pancakes and i'm like susan's father gave her his life like i can choke down pancakes and i said what about kimchi pancakes she's like oh my God. So it's like, so people were doing kimchi pancakes, they were doing <laughs> waffles that we call pancakes with abs. You know, <laughs> people just got really creative this year and it was a lot of fun. So That's great.
0: Oh, well, it has been an honor and a treat always to have you on Thank the show you. as my second, you know, my second official guest of Career View Mirror and returning and sharing and just pouring into us. Um, and I appreciate you so much. Grateful, thank you so much. grateful Thanks. that we are still friends and mm-hmm. and that we've made it through. We're we're making it through yeah. um, these next few chapters of our success stories. So thank you so much for sharing all of your goodness. And again, for everyone who's watching or listening, I will be putting all of this information and in how to learn more about Susan and her business and her, how to get her best selling book um, and. We are going to see you soon. Again, if you like what you've heard or seen, share it, subscribe, spread the word. I've been doing this for, gosh, since 2016, 2015, I think. Um, let's, let's keep this going. Let's keep this podcast going. Thank you for listening and be well, everyone.